0: Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and prioritize yourself, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. Do you have a chronic illness and are overwhelmed with advice or conflicting information? My book, Hope in a Dark Tunnel, gives you actionable steps to create your path back to well-being and positivity, hope and resilience without false promises. Head to www.hopeinadarktunnel.com. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Hello and welcome. Today, my guest is Marion Mitchell. Welcome to you, Marion. Thank you. So Marion is a peer of mine, and we've had a previous podcast episode talking about adrenal fatigue, and I'll put that in the show notes for you if you're interested to go back and listen. But what we're here to do today is to talk about something completely different. So Marion, let's kick off and let's tell everybody who you are, and what it is that you do.
1: Yeah, so my name is Marion Mitchell, and I'm an integrative nutrition health coach. I went to IIN. Um, I have written a cookbook, and I'm a meal planning expert. And I teach workshops that, with the foundation of cooking. Um, that's, a, that's a skill that not a lot of people have, and it's one of those things that you need to do to master health. Um, My goal is just to bridge the gap between knowing what you need to do to get and then stay healthy and making it work realistically in your everyday life because life is busy. Um, I work uh, now out of a multi-doctor practice called Holistic Urgent Care in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, in that practice, we work with a lot of people who are chronically ill and we find the root cause and then we work on getting them back to healthy. Um and I have a lot of fun and I am in that I work with patients who have been put on specialized diet plans to help with their recovery, and when people just really struggle, I'm able to come in and make that a lot easier for them.
0: Yeah, and so you talk there about specialized diets. So what is a therapeutic diet, and who are they aimed at?
1: Yeah, so a therapeutic diet is um, a short term usually pretty restrictive diet for people with severe health conditions. So in my practice, um, people have been sick for years, sometimes upwards of 10 to 15 years. And um, because we're a holistic practice, we run some tests that haven't been run before, including mold toxicity, um, heavy metal toxicity. We look at small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, a, a variety of conditions. And when they're found to be positive, we put them on a diet that actually helps the medication work so that they can get back to healthy faster. Without changing their diet, the supplements and therapies that we're doing won't work for very long. And they might actually feel worse. They have to be on usually it's a short term diet, um, anywhere from the shortest is usually about three months.
0: The longest is usually about six for these therapeutic diets. So therapeutic diets are restrictive and they can obviously be complex for people to navigate. So how do you remove the guesswork for them so that they can eat for their own recovery?
1: When I first joined the practice, they gave me a rundown of the typical um, chronic diseases that people are struggling with and their protocol. And they gave me like a, 10 page packet and it's just a list of cans and cans and do this and do that and I mean even for someone like me I was like whoa so I sat down and they gave me some books to read you know and the ones that I was familiar with I was able to kind of just breeze through get a refresher some of them I was reading like two or three books and just diving in and what I do is the doctors handle the prescriptive side of things and diagnosis so I'm able to come in And focus on the emotional support, because that's pretty overwhelming. But then by taking the guesswork out of it, I'm the one reading these books. I'm going to the resources. I'm looking at the handout. And I'm looking at what can they eat, what can they do, where I went to the store, and I'm looking for all the foods, all the shortcuts available. So I'm spending the hours and hours and hours looking through all the foods, writing them all down in a really broken down way so that they can go to the grocery store and be like, I can eat this. Because who wants to focus on the can't? That's just depressing, right? (laughs) You need to know what you can't, but you don't want that to be the focus. Like, because then you're just left with what do I eat? So I'm going to the store and I'm like, okay, yes, you have to eat this way, but what brands of spices are available? What Things are in refrigerator and freezer sections. What can you get at everyday stores? So I'm spending all the hours with, with the with, armed with all of this information. And then I'm putting it together in a guide and in meal plans. Sometimes I'm designing recipes. Sometimes I'm using what I have. I have over 300 recipes in my arsenal. And so I'm able to just put it together and give them an idea of what this will look like for the duration of time that they need to be on it. And so that's how I remove the guesswork. They can go to the store and they know what stores have the foods that they have. They can eat. Even if they're in somewhere rural, you know, I know what you can get on Thrive Market and Amazon Prime and um, I'll even research what uh, health food stores are in their vicinity within like a 50 mile radius. Sometimes I have to go, Um, but I'm literally doing all of that for them. So all they have to do is read the packet and go to the grocery store and come home and throw some stuff in a skillet or put it in the oven and wait 30 minutes
0: and then dinner's ready. That's I think what most people want. So <laughs> we both talk about a concept called crowding out. So instead yes. of focusing on the things they can't have is eventually remove the need for those things by you know, adding things in. Right. So how does this apply to the therapeutic diets that you create?
1: Well, first of all, by focusing on the can.
0: A lot of times uh, people are coming from
1: a place where they don't cook. They're buying restaurant food or TV dinners. You know, they're eating on the go at Starbucks or wherever, you know, whatever coffee shops in their area, they have food at work. So going from something super convenient from convenient and really easy hands off to something really hands on is a challenge. And so What I like to do is take what they already do eat and then add things into it. So they're not, their diet doesn't look completely different. Like they have to go from pizza to zucchini noodles, right? Um, Because they can probably, they'll probably get that way in three to six months. But like right now, you know, it's that transition from super convenient and super oftentimes very unhealthy and junk filled. To something healthy and they have to make the jump pretty quick so my goal is to make familiar foods in my meal plans it's things that it's italian food it's mexican food it's burgers you know it's things like that people are already comfortable with but looking a little bit different so they don't have to be eating salad and rabbit food all the time, as, as I've had some clients tell me, like, I don't want to change. I don't want to eat like a rabbit. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to unless you want to. But the concept that people have of being healthy, and a lot of times people come to me, you know, they, they, they're like, oh, I don't, need, I, don't need, I don't need help right now. I'll figure it out. And then what they find in about three weeks is that they're starving, and they just don't know what to eat. So being able to give them ideas and and meet them where they're at really does help and does that kind of crowding thing, the crowding out thing that we like to do.
0: And I guess the other thing there is that, like you say, is if it is familiar foods but there's just a great set of swaps or substitutions that a burger can still be healthy. It's just what you either put it on, add to it, you know, so you'd be adding different things to the, the burger instead of the big slab of cheese or right.
1: So it can yeah, still be a tasty
0: and- burger, but it's just not filled with all the things that are, we know are going to increase the inflammation that they're experiencing already. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So this is a common one amongst my clients. So how do you make things easier? For those people who don't like to cook, who don't know how to cook, Marion.
1: Yes. And that is actually my focus in all of my recipes. Um, when I first started out seven years ago, I wasn't the best cook. <laughs> um, I couldn't make a, like a three, three things to go with dinner because something would be overcooked, something would be undercooked, and something would be cold. And I knew that there were a lot of people out there like me. And so I was on a mission. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to cook, and I'm going to show other people that it's easy. And so all of my recipes, I designed them to be in a, like a, in a skillet, <laughs> in a crock pot, or in the oven. And you can put as much or little work into it as you're willing to pay for. So, for example, you can buy pre-chopped vegetables and pre-spiralized vegetable noodles They cost about triple what it would be to do it yourself because one zucchini is anywhere from 50 to 75 cents where if you buy it pre-done for you, it's about $3. You know, um, you can make your own pesto or you can buy it in a jar and the dairy-free stuff is a lot more expensive (laughs) than the conventional stuff. The stuff that's made with olive oil and all those healthy ingredients, you're going to pay a lot more for, but it's all done for you. And it's still cheaper than eating out. It's going to be cheaper than fifteen dollars a meal for some healthy restaurant food that still is using canola oil and um, maybe even like non-organic foods and you know things like that. So it's all about perception. Like every and if you have a meal plan and you have a purpose for every food, you're not going to waste food. So you actually, you will be saving a lot of money. You might be spending more per week at the grocery store, but you actually find over the course of a month, you can spend up to three, $400 less, even buying everything done for you. And you just put it in a skillet and swish it around a few times for 10 minutes, or, you know, put it in the oven and throw some salt and oil on it and then wait for 30 minutes. And You know, some people don't like to eat leftovers, and I do plan my meal plans for that as well. People can either cook once, and then usually I try to encourage them to reuse it a different way. Like, if you roasted vegetables and chicken, throw it in a collard wrap with some hummus, you know, for lunch the next day. So you're not eating the exact same thing. But some people are like, I'm not eating leftovers. Won't do it. I'm like, that's okay. Here's how we plan for that. Cooking for one meal is definitely going to be the most expensive (laughs) out of all of it. But if you like, say, buy a pesto sauce, but you know of six different ways you can use it, then you're still not wasting your food. And, but you're not eating the same thing every day either. So those are the types of strategies that I, it's kind of funny, because my meal plans are about either depending on the program, two to four weeks with additional meals, about 45 recipes total. A couple of them are up to sixty, but my whole goal is to teach you throughout it for one to build your pan- build your pantry and build up your your collection, your healthy collection of flavor and en- enhancers which that 's what I call spices and herbs and sauces, and how to use them in a million different ways so that you 're not bored because when you 're eating real food, if you 're eating plain rice and steamed broccoli and chicken because that 's like the typical health food meal <laughs> you 're going to get bored really really fast and you're going to be running to your favorite pizza joint without like it's on it's going to be blind you're going to show up and not even know how you got there type of things teaching people how to do that's really really important to me and making it simple because I have I'm a single mom I don't have time to be in the kitchen for two hours we got homework we got practice we got all this stuff so I want something healthy that's done quick And I know a bunch of other people want that too and may not be the best cook or even know how. So something that's really simple that they can literally buy pre-done and just put it in a pot and stir is the best way to go.
0: Do you think that that's enough for them to get the motivation to do it themselves rather than bath takeout?
1: Sometimes, I'll I'll be honest. There are some people who are not going to do it. For them, I say find a meal planning service. You know, the paleo movement is popular enough that most major cities um, have people locally that you can contact. And y- I mean, you're going to be paying dine out food, but at least it's going to meet all your your restrictions, your needs. I'm not going to say restrictions, your needs. Okay. There are people who can do that and they're cheaper than personal personal chefs, but you can have somebody come to your home. I think the going rates anywhere from like 75 to 125 an hour. You can have them come to your home, you have the groceries, spend 300 bucks and have food, and however you guys work that out. So there are lots of options. I have people who do that. They have meal delivery services, they have somebody come to their house. And again, it's just where where you're at, but do you have to cook everything? No, but you need to you still need to know what you need to eat and what not to eat so that you can give the proper direction to these people.
0: Yeah. And so, what happens when you're on this therapeutic diet and you are on the run? What were the, some of the things that you'd recommend for people typically? Yeah, you don't want to be going to Starbucks and no. eating a croissant and ham and cheese, you know? So right, what some exactly. Of the you recommend there, no?
1: So, in my guides that go along with the meal plans, I address just that. Um, and it really just kind of depends on the diet. So, for example, if somebody has mold toxicity, they're eating extremely fresh. And I know for people who listen around the world, they're probably like, and? Because most people around the world go to the store for every meal and get something fresh and then come home and make it. But here in America, we don't do that. It's People can shop once and eat for an entire month because everything's canned and boxed. So on a low mold diet, you have to eat extremely fresh. And that's probably one of the hardest diets for people to transition into. But somebody who's like, they can't eat oxalates, you know, because they have recurring kidney stones, they have a lot more options. And so in my guide, I'm able to kind of lead them through someone on a low mold diet, they're gonna have to go to a grocery store. You know, um, and so what can they eat on the run? You know that that changes things. But if they know, they can plan. And part of my thing is like in my guides, I talk about if you're on the go, like let's say you travel for work, you need to know where the closest grocery store is on the way to the airport to your hotel. You need a hotel room with a fridge. You know, get a corporate suite that has a little kitchen, um, and plan ahead. That's what you have to do on a therapeutic diet. You have to make sure you have a plan for everything, and you're prepared. The mental workload for that can be hard at first, but I always tell people it's only hard for the first 21 days. That's when it takes the most mental effort. And after that, it starts to become second nature, and it gets a lot easier. So if you – anybody can do anything for 21 days. So it's like, okay, if I have to focus really hard for 21 days, but it's going to get easier,
0: they're willing to do it for 21 days. And that's true. So you talking about people on a special diet. I do that regardless because <laughs> – like you, um, you have to. You know, gluten-free <laughs> and dairy-free. So for me, when I plan my travel, I plan that I will be staying in an Airbnb, preferably that's got a kitchen mm-hmm. and that there is a supermarket within walking distance. That's how I plan my holidays. I yes. don't actually plan it just based on the location. I'm right. planning it based on those particular needs. And then I know... That I can eat my breakfast and my dinner at home, yeah. and maybe pick up something for lunch along the way, or even pack a little lunch and go and eat it in a beautiful place. So, yeah. I've I've been living like that for for years. So I'm it's in this thing interesting. Boat. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that we do that. So you mentioned that somebody would be on a therapeutic diet from anywhere from three to six months. So then what comes next, you know, based on what they've done, what would normally come next?
1: So after that, I always tell people, you don't want to end back where you started. And if you go right back to your old habits, I'm going to see you again in two years, (laughs) you know, and I don't want to, I want them to continue feeling amazing. So I like to work on a transition off of it where you start, what can you start including? What are the smart things you can start including So for an example, somebody who, you know, they they get their, their blood work and they do their testing and we find that the mold is finally out of their system, right? And it's out of their home and everything's good and they're feeling great again. It's like you can start adding in these foods, you know, and they will find their tolerance. It's teaching them to say, hey, if a food makes you feel bad, don't eat it. If somebody, what we call them, are the low low mold or the mold sensitive individuals, which is about 15% of the population, like things like corn and raw nuts and things, because they travel so far, are high mold foods. You probably should keep them to a minimum. So if you feel nauseous or mucousy or something after, pay attention to that and honor that. But does but then you can still, you, now you can eat leftovers, so you can meal prep, you know, things like that. So it's like how to transition off of it without going back to junk food. Um, and mm-hmm. most of the time they feel so good that they're really excited for the next transition. And I have just like, I have the, the, the therapeutic diet meal plans, and then I have just healthy eating meal plans. They can either do a coaching session or they can just transition onto one of those. And that way they still have the habit because it is easy. Like, oh, I can eat everything. I'm so excited, right? If we could suddenly eat gluten and dairy, we'd probably go out and eat a pizza. But we wouldn't want to eat it every day, right? (laughs) I do like to, you know, when people, that's where the don't list is, does come in handy because then they can slowly start adding stuff in. And then there's, I also like to educate on, here's the things you probably want to avoid in general, you know, and here's why. So there is like a transition off as well that I do recommend. So you don't have to be as restrictive, but do you? You don't want to go back to eating junk, and you probably
0: still want to plan, just because you don't want to go back to feeling bad again. And if you could tell somebody just one thing that would support them, what would that one thing be? Because we've talked about a lot of things, and people are probably thinking, "Well, there's a lot of things to do."
1: (laughs) One thing to support them on a therapeutic diet: it's okay to be sad. I think, you know, it's so relieving to have an answer. But then sometimes the healing looks worse than the disease type of thing. We I see that a lot. Like sometimes it's just it's so much more work. I always tell people it's okay to feel sad and mad. Go ahead and feel it so that you can get it out. And then let's, let's get a move on it. So we can go back to So we can get to feeling good and then we don't have to live this
0: way anymore, you know? And I think the reality is, is that the choices that they've made that got them into that state didn't happen overnight either. Right. So I suppose it's also a little bit of grief around the choices that they've made. Right. You know, recognizing that actually this didn't need to be my lot in life. And yeah, you know, that we've made choices that have consequences and not not all good consequences.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of grief that happens and a lot of anger. Sometimes I've got, I've lately gotten a few people who are just angry and I'm like, that's, it's okay. I'm like, but don't beat yourself up over it. Like feel it, get it out, journal, meditate, go take a kickboxing class, you know, get it all out. And then let's get back to focusing on the positive again. Um, But I do find a lot of people, what's the word for it? A lot of people just feel bad that they're so angry or they're so sad. You know, the doctors are like, this is what you got to do. Like, if you want to get good, this is what you got to do. Just do it. And it's like, okay, I will, but this is really hard and really scary. And then there's also the fact that they felt this way for so long. Who are they without these things? So there's all, it's a really complicated thing. Like, yes, I want to be compliant. I want to do what you're telling me. I want to feel good. But there's all that other stuff. And it's like work through that. You know, this is a tool and it's a really helpful tool because, you know, the meal plans are a really helpful tool because they allow you to know what it looks like and what you can eat. You know, instead of feeling like I can't eat anything, so that removes that portion, but also work on the emotional side of it because you don't want to bottle that up because that's the stuff that causes self-sabotage later, even for the people who are really, really good and strict for the treatment plan, but then revert back because of, all, you know, all of that old feelings coming up. So if you work through that on the other side, life is going to be even better than we could imagine,
0: but yes. we got to let go
1: of that stuff.
0: So, so, so true because it's not just about the food, you know, it's not just about the Mm -mm. shape the body's in. So it's the physical, mental, emotional, and soulful stuff. It's all integrated and that's what we are. You know, we're not just a body. We're actually the body, mind, and soul. So it's important to acknowledge that. So thanks for sharing that. And so Marion, what are your tips for living fabulously?
1: So my tips for living fabulously are to make sure I love the clothes in my closet. This has been a big focus for me this year. Um, it's getting rid of anything that I look at and I'm like, hmm. Because like, I would just look at my closet and get so depressed. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. And so I tossed everything. And here we have a store called Goodwill and they have 50% off days. And so I go and I spend hours looking through everything and find like the cutest stuff. And so I've completely redone my wardrobe and that has just, I look every day, I'm always just so excited to find out, figure out what I'm going to wear. And that's just been such a huge mental thing for me to feel good. Um, Another thing is uh, I have to exercise. Like that's like my sanity. And so I kind of got away from it for a while and I started feeling really anxious and like easily stressed. And I was like, I got to get back to the gym. So that's one thing that's important to me. And I love strength training and yoga. So those are, I build at least three days a week into my schedule. I sit down every week and I look at what do I have going on and where can I fit these things in? And it has been a game changer for my uh, mental outlook on things and my ability to handle stress. And I've always known that, but life gets busy, you know? And so I kind of like, it falls to the wayside because I get more clients and You know, all that stuff that goes into onboarding and then travel and kids and school. And there's just always something. Um, So building that back in has been pretty essential. And then my third thing is sleep. (laughs) I have to make sure I get plenty of sleep. And so I have been very diligent about my strategies for like not keeping my phone near my bed and winding down. Been doing that for my kids too. um, Adjusting my schedule so I can sleep in a little bit longer
0: has made a world of difference. Beautiful tips, right there. And you can find Marion Mitchell at her website, which is roadtolivinghole.com, and also on Facebook on Road to Living Whole. So, Marion, there's some great ideas there. So, whilst we know that a therapeutic diet is for a specific purpose, so there's a specific underlying Disease that it's focused to resolve, it is a limited time frame, so like people often say that they don't like restriction, they don't like being um, to- told what they can and can't eat, but sometimes it's necessary we get that for the body to mm-hmm. heal, so we creating the conditions for the body to heal. but I love how you've also talked about not only knowing what to do, so having the guide that you provide them but also actually acknowledging that there are emotions attached to maybe the loss or the grief around, you know, what was, and then who will they be with the, without that disease if they've been sick for, like you said, up to 10 years, which is really important. And I think that's one of the things that I addressed in my book, Open a Dark Tunnel, because it is, you know, sometimes you get defined by your illness, but you are not your illness. And so therefore you need to have that level of support around you. So thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today and being with me here on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice. It is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.